West Bulls, good morning. I first saw that video, I felt like I was on a roller coaster. So, hey, uh, if you are new here, if it's your first time, my name is Nathan, and I'm uh, the lead pastor here at West Bulls. So, um, maybe don't clap yet. <laughs> But uh, no, my name is Nathan, and we are a church full of people. We're full of, it's full of people who honestly, as we look at our time here on earth, we do not just want to pass the time here on earth. We want to put life in our time. And the way we do that here is simple. And we, we talked about it last week. We, we want to see people connect with Jesus, connect with people, and connect people with Jesus. And, and honestly, that direction sounds really, really, really good. But I think the question for us, starting today going forward, is what does that look like here at West Bowles? Because that could, be, that could be a mission for a lot of different churches. But what does that look like here? And so with that in mind, to start that discussion, I actually want you to take a look at about 40 seconds of a commercial that I, kn- I know you've probably seen. But uh, I want to talk about something this commercial brings up. Take a look. Okay, how many of you have seen that commercial? All right, from that point on, it becomes all about insurance, but I think there's a lot more to it. In fact, what I love about the way that commercial ends is it says, spend your life living. Spend your life living. But did you notice what happened in the middle of that commercial? You had a guy who was in a big yard that was probably a bit monotonous, with a family who's passing the time that probably felt a little bit monotonous until he looked around, and he realized the resources. And we won't talk about the fact that he probably dropped thousands of dollars for a pool, but they looked around at their resources, and some things changed. And they went a different direction from there. And I think that speaks so much to the place that West Bowls we're in right now. And we began to talk about it last week. God has given us a resource here. Remember where we landed last week? His spirit he put inside of us. And when his spirit begins to move inside those who have given their lives to him, you know what happens? Some things start to come out. And, and over the last 23 years that I've even come to this church, God has begun to open my eyes to some things, that there are some values here. There are some core values here that really speak to our identity as a church and how that idea of connect with Jesus connect with people, connect people with Jesus, how we go about that. And so I'm excited. If it's, if it's your first time here, you could not have picked a better day to come because this month and next month, we are going to walk through some of our core values here. Not some of them, all of them. All of the core values that God has put here for how this church is to carry out that direction. And so we'll look at the first one 
this morning. In fact, you probably saw the icon in that video as it was going around the circle. It's this, and by the end of the message today, you'll understand what value that represents. And it's a value that, honestly, if we don't get this right, and if we don't intentionally gauge, engage this value, it doesn't really matter if we get anything else right. And, and it's something that we get a glimpse of. It's in Luke chapter 5. And it's in a conversation that Jesus has with a fisherman. And he has this conversation with this fisherman on the heels of a night full of that fisherman's failure. And so, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible. But here is where it begins. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, and in some of your Bibles it might say the Lake of Gennesaret. I prefer, prefer Sea of Galilee. It's a little bit easier to say. But already this raises an interesting question. Jesus, why Galilee? Why Galilee? Because Galilee was not a region that when people thought about the activity of God, they didn't think of Galilee. Galilee was not one of those places that, that you would go to church, that you would look for anything from God. So why the Sea of Galilee? And more details start to come out that point us to what Jesus is doing here. So one day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So not just why Galilee, but Jesus, why a crowd? How does a crowd help you do anything more easily? I mean, we get this, right? We get this. When do you go to Costco? Okay, when do you prefer to go to Costco or the grocery store? I believe Saturday morning at the grocery store at Costco is when I am actually the worst possible example of a follower of Jesus, okay? <laughs> Nobody has lanes or anything like that, and I, I usually have to walk out. And so, why Galilee and why a crowd? But a couple other questions come up as you walk through this. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen. Okay. If you know anything about Jesus, there's that one account where he walks on water. So why would he even care that a boat is there? He doesn't need a boat. And here he is dealing with a crowd. And if you look through the Gospels, crowds were often, he would have compassion on them. He fed them on a few occasions. But oftentimes, those who were seeking Jesus, they had to get through a crowd to get to him. And so here's Jesus in a region nobody expected God to show up. And here's Jesus dealing with an obstacle that didn't help anything. And here's Jesus spotting a detail from this fisherman's life that he doesn't really need. And then there's this next piece. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Now, the fact that they were washing their nets gives us a clue as to what time of day it is. Because fishermen often fish when? at night. And if they're washing their nets, then they have finished up fishing, and it is very likely morning now. Okay, so in a region that nobody expected them, with an obstacle that doesn't help them, spotting a detail from a fisherman's life that he doesn't really need during a time of day that probably isn't ideal after somebody's been up all night. Now, why would Luke highlight all this stuff? Well, we're going to get a clue in the next two verses. 
Verse 3 says he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, there is a detail in this verse that it does not explicitly say, but it's there. We know it's there. It's water. And water, if you've ever been out on water, water acts as a natural amplifier for Jesus to speak his word to the crowd. But you know what else he's doing here? It naturally has separated him and Simon from them. See, he used the water to amplify his word to them, but he used the water to isolate and separate himself so he could speak his word to Simon. Can you imagine? Jesus shows up in a region, in a fisherman's place, wants to use a fisherman's stuff during a fisherman's time, doing fisherman activities, and working around an obstacle that would have blocked that fisherman. All so he could get face to face with Simon. He did all that to get face to face with Simon. And why? Well, the beginning of verse 4. When he had finished speaking, that is to the crowd, he said to Simon, and we'll get to what he said in just a minute. But can can you imagine that Jesus would go through all that to share a word with Simon? In fact, he wouldn't just do that for Simon. He would do that for you. And he would do that for me. See, it is entirely possible that Jesus will show up in an area of your life that you didn't expect. He will use things in your life that you didn't expect, show up at times in your life that you didn't expect, all so he could get around all the voices of the crowd in your life to get face to face with you and with me. And and see, that would have been a dramatic shift for their thinking in that day and probably a dramatic shift for our thinking because they thought, well, the holy words of a holy God were encountered in a holy place at a holy time by holy people. And I think we still think that. But you got to explain these verses to me. Because this tells me that Jesus, there is nothing he won't do and there is nothing he won't use to get face to face with you and I, to share his word with us. In other words, maybe there's not a perfect holy time And that's hard as a pastor, as a preacher, because I like to think that at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, when you come to a place, a church, that that's when he's going to speak to you. And he might. And he might not. I think these verses show us that he might want to speak on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, when we're doing other things in other activities, at other times, as we're going through other dynamics. A couple years ago, I saw this news clipping of a newlywed couple in Ohio, and they had just gotten married one afternoon at a church, and their reception was, was down the highway about 15 minutes. So they left the church, they get on the highway, and everything's going fine for about five minutes until the traffic is stopped. And they've got to get to the ceremony and all their guests are going to this, I'm sorry, the reception. All their guests are going to the reception and here's traffic blocking everything. 
And they sat there for 10 minutes, and 10 minutes turned into 20 minutes, 20 minutes turned into 30, and 30 turned into an hour. Until one person in a car noticed the bride's dress, and they said, how about right now? Do you want to have your reception right now? And traffic didn't move one bit, but one person with a really nice sound system kicked on Spotify, and they had their first dance right there on the highway. And I thought, oh my goodness, there it is. God says, I can use any time, any place to get face-to-face to share my word and share my love with you. And so when you look at this, you realize that our issue is not access to his word because he will do whatever it takes to share his word with us. We do not have an access issue. We actually have a different issue, and it's what happens inside of us when he finally shares that word with us. Look at what he said to Simon. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, I read this, and I myself got frustrated because I thought, oh my goodness, this brings up so much inside me. So many times when, when I come across something in Scripture or there, I come across His Word, there is a built-in resistance inside me and honestly inside all of us. My first thought was, well, that's kind of inconvenient, Jesus. Because what were they doing? They were washing their nets. And here Jesus says, nope, just throw them back out. I, I know you've been cleaning them. Just throw them back out there. And so it's inconvenient. It's also a little unreasonable because if it really is morning time and they've been up all night, well, they're probably a little bit tired. You've been there? You've been there where you, you read scripture and it's like, sounds great, Jesus, don't really feel like doing it. We've all been there. But there's, there's another piece to this that it seems a bit ineffective. You know, the kind of fish that feed in the Sea of Galilee are called tilap- tilapia. Okay, in tilapia, you know where they feed? In shallow water, Jesus. Shallow water at night. And you're saying go to deep water at the break of day. It doesn't seem very effective. Along with that, you know, they could have also thought, Jesus, you're a little unqualified because you are a carpenter. So a carpenter is going to give a fisherman advice on how to catch fish. Is that it? And oftentimes, I sit there and I am capable of even looking at Jesus and saying, you don't know about my situation. You don't know. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where you lost your wallet. By the way, I lost my wallet this week. So if you have it, give it back, okay? (laughs) But I don't see anything in there about that. So what would you know about what I'm going through? Or maybe it's just flat out, it can come across insensitive because of what Simon says next. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. You ever try to give God advice? Oftentimes, our advice comes out of our perception of how his word is landing in our hearts. Well, Jesus, it's a little inconvenient, and it's a little unreasonable, and it's probably going to be ineffective. 
And by the way, you're unqualified, and this is a little insensitive, because you want to know what was probably at the forefront of Simon's mind based on what he said? It had been a night full of failure. And this likely felt like Jesus was just throwing that failure right in Simon's face and said, just try it. Just try it. Probably didn't feel too good. And it doesn't feel good to us either. But the thing we forget when we try to give God advice is what? Well, he's the creator. He created those fish. He created the water that they were floating on. He created the boat they were sitting in. He created Simon himself. He created the time of day that they were having this conversation. And so what are we possibly going to say back to him that he doesn't already know? Our issue is not access to the word of Jesus. Our issue is the authority of the word of Jesus. How are we going to respond to it? I got, I got a reminder of this dynamic inside me and probably inside all of us. About a month ago, my wife, Carol, was out of town. Um, she was out in Nebraska with her family for a funeral. And so that meant it was me and our children. And Lainey, is, she's very independent. She can, she can get herself ready and true. She's our, our eight-year-old. We help her out, but there's Lincoln. Lincoln's five years old, and Lincoln just asks for everything right now. Great, I love that. Lincoln walks up and he said, Dad, I need breakfast. My tummy's empty. I was like, okay. I said, well, here are your choices. I looked, in, looked around at what we had. I said, you can have waffles and fruit, or you can have cereal. And he kind of goes, where's mom? I was like, no, 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 we're not going to play that game. You know she's out of town. You can have waffles and fruit, or you can have cereal. Where's mom? <laughs> and I went, Lincoln, I'm going to say it one more time. You can have, and that's as far as I got, because he interrupted me with, where's mom? <sighs> Who has authority in our lives? <laughs> Mom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. So next to, next to, and just a little above Mom. <laughs> Who has authority? At the end of the day, it's honestly going to come down to two places. It's going to be him or it's going to be us. It's him or it's us. You want to know the first value that I see so much in this church? But we've got to be reminded of is the authority of Jesus' word. You want to connect with Jesus, connect with people, connect people with Jesus? It starts right here. The authority of Jesus' word in our lives. It has to start there. But it is not enough to know about it. It's not enough to know about it. We've got to engage it. And I think this is where Simon, later called Peter, this is where Simon pulls ahead of a lot of us. Look at the rest of his response. Verse 5. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you 
say so. I will let down the nets because you say so. It might be inconvenient. It might be unreasonable. It might seem ineffective. He might seem unqualified. And it might even feel insensitive. But in the midst of all that, what does Simon say? But because you say so, Jesus, I will do it. And think about it. Here's Peter, who's probably thrown out nets dozens, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of times. But all those times, you know how he was doing it? His way. Peter had done it all those times Peter's way. And this is a statement that says, okay, all these times I've done it my way and it has come to this, failure. And so Jesus, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to give it a shot. And you know what he does? You know what he does with that? Verse 6, when they had done so, let these nets down, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come up and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. You ever heard of good problems? Tearing nets and sinking boats, which would have been incredible until all those fish got into the water and got away again. Tearing nets and sinking boats. You want to know what happens when you actually submit to the authority of Jesus' words? He might tear your nets, and he might sink your boats, and it will be the greatest problem you have ever dealt with, ever. Because when we obey Jesus' word, we get opportunities to be part of his work. When you obey Jesus' word, you have opportunities to be part of his work. I was reminded a few years. Do you remember Blockbuster? Blockbuster video? Please tell me you remember Blockbuster video. Okay. All right. Well, we used to live by a Blockbuster video, and I remember we would go in there all the time. Just loved watching movies. And one time we went in there, and we were given this receipt, and the lady, she circled, you know, kind of like when they say, hey, fill out this survey. She said, hey, go to this link. You might want to do that. It'll be worth it. And I thought, okay, I, I get this at every store now. But later that day, I, and I normally, I don't even, I don't do any of it. Well, I went to this link, and it, it was a questionnaire about how often do you visit Blockbuster? You know, how many, what kinds of movies do you rent? Have you ever had to deal with late fees at Blockbuster? And so I filled this thing out, hit submit, thought nothing of it. Months later, I'm in a Blockbuster, long line of people. I get to the front, and there's a long line behind me, and there's a different lady at the cash register, and she scanned my card, and she, she went, oh, you're one of those. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't know what I did to you, but all right. She calls to the back for help, tells the entire line, um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to move you to that register because this is going to take a little while. I was like, what did I do? And so she's like, will you stand over there, please? Manager comes out. He's like, hey, months ago, did you fill out a survey, or a questionnaire? I said, no, yes, yeah, I did. He said, okay, come with me to the computer. So we come to the computer, and he said, well, 
It's nothing I would have promoted, but you did exactly the right thing. And the little receipt printer just starts printing up, and it's just going through, like, roll. It's starting to roll over on itself. He said, you, you have 45 free rentals printing, printing up right now. I was like, what did I do? He said, well, when you filled out that link, you actually joined a class action lawsuit for late fees at Blockbuster. And I was like, didn't mean to, didn't mean to. <laughs> so I, I said, wow, thank you. This is the greatest, pro I mean, the whole line's glaring at me right now. I thought, I thought, this is the greatest problem to have. He said, no, we're not done yet. <sighs> Hits a button. Here are all these free vouchers for treats and candy and drinks and all that from Blockbuster. Wow, torn nets and sinking boats. And I think we single-handedly took down Blockbuster, I'm just saying, all right? <laughs> I mean, Netflix might have had a little to do with that, but it was mainly the Harrisons. <laughs> That's what happens when we stop objecting to his word and we obey his word, and he's got much better ways than some class-action lawsuit and free movie rentals to do it. But that is not his end goal. I think he wants to show us that so that he can show us what he shows Simon next. He says this. When Simon, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. Just go away. I am a sinful man. You know what I think that's a statement of? Jesus, you and I both know I did not do this. I did not do this, and I don't even feel worthy to be in your presence. Verse 9, for he and all his companions were astonished, astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. See, there is an element. There is a time that comes where you look at life and you realize, I take no credit for any of this. I did not get myself here. I did anything good. That was not me. That was you, Lord. And honestly, the way I think it comes out for many of us is we, we have Simon's response. I'm not worthy to even be in your presence. Go away, Lord. Because they lived in a time, and you and I live in a time where we think a holy God actually runs away from unholy sinners. And that's not the case. You may be sitting here this morning thinking, not me, not me. The holy God wouldn't want anything to do with me. If people knew what I had done, what I think, what I've said to people, he wouldn't want anything to do with me. And that's a lie. It's a lie because of what Jesus says next. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. From now on, you will fish for people. See, you want to know why he tears the nets and he sinks the boats? Because he wants to show you what he can do through you. There comes a point where when we submit to the authority of Jesus' word, his word to us becomes his word through us. And so if you know nothing of Jesus' word, what if you just took this one? What if you just submitted to this one? 
What if this week you let down the nets? What if you went to somebody, that person who's just been floating around in your mind, I should, I should really invite them to church, I should really have a conversation with them about their beliefs, or I should really talk to them about who Jesus is. Well, what if you let down the nets and you stepped into that? What if you took this literally? Not the nets part. Don't go throw nets over people this week. But what if, what if you extended an invite, started a conversation, stepped into that situation? Because that was all Simon and his companions needed. And to be honest, it's all we need. Look at how, look at how it went from there. Verse 11. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And I got to be honest, most times when I think about the disciples, you know what I think of? I think, oh man, they left everything? I mean, they went on and, and he used them to do some incredible things, but they left everything? When we talk about the disciples, we often refer to that as the starting point. And I got to be honest, I don't think that was the starting point. I don't think verse 11 was what God was looking for. I think verse 5 is what he's looking for. Verse 5, but because you say so. But because you say so. You want to connect with Jesus? Connect with people? Connect people with Jesus? You want to know where it starts? Verse 5, because you say so. You want to engage, you want to really live out the authority of Jesus' word? It's verse 5, because you say so. It's as simple as saying, and this is, I think, how you, we engage that value of the authority of Jesus' word. It's as simple as this. What Jesus says is greater than what I say. What Jesus says is greater than what I say. When I think about my life, when I think about my decisions, my choices, it's not what I say. It's what Jesus says. So when you think about Peter's life and you think about all that he went on to do, there's a reminder here that it started with submitting to the authority of Jesus' word. It starts right there. This is the reminder that before we ever lead anybody, whether it's a family, neighbors, coworkers, teammates, whatever it is, before we ever lead somebody else, we are followers of the authority and of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, as, as the worship team comes up, a few questions. What is it? What, what is keeping us from stepping into and engaging this value? Is it, is it an access issue? We live in a time and in an age where his word is more accessible than it ever has been. There are an average of three to four Bibles in every single household in the U.S., on average. We now have, you don't even have to open an actual physical book anymore. There's an app. You open that app, they've got reading plans, all kinds of scripture reading plans for you to engage it. You can actually even set a reminder to have it deliver a verse for that day to your phone. We actually, we do not have to do anything to access his word anymore. But even all that aside, he is a God who will stop at nothing and use anything to get his word to us. 
So maybe it's an access issue for you. Would you consider here at the church? Every single class here is built on and centers around the authority of his word. Maybe it's an access issue. Maybe for you it's not that. Maybe it's an obeying issue. What if instead of objecting, and what if, what if instead of saying it's inconvenient and it's unreasonable and it's ineffective and you're unqualified and it's insensitive, what if we just did what he says? And for still others in here, maybe it's just a worthiness issue. That when we look at what he can do, we just feel so unworthy. And he says, no, you're worthy. You are so worthy. Step into it. What Jesus says is greater than what I say. I will pray and we will close out with one more worship song. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are a God who over and over and over show that you will come to us, that you saw us and you sought us out before we ever saw you and sought you out. And thank you for that. And so this week, open our eyes to how accessible your word to us is. Give us the strength to stop objecting and step into it and remind us that we are worthy. We are worthy to carry out your word in our lives and in the lives of people. Use all that, Heavenly Father, the authority of your word, both today, this week, and in the months and years to come. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.